Let's, uh, let's open to his word. John chapter 10 is where we're going to be. We're going to 11 verses. Um, and I'm going to ask that you, you should be there by now, that you would stand with me for the reading of, of his word, just as we honor the Lord um, as his word speaks to us today. By dried off by now? Okay. Let's, let's read together. Verse 1 says this. says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he enters by the door, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Then Jesus says, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. Because the sheep know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus, uh, Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And in verse 7 it says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but, they did not li- but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let's pray, to, let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, I pray that this this morning, Lord, you would use this text and you would apply it to our lives, Father. I pray that we would learn some things uh, today from John 10, Father, about how we uh, can be set free from wandering. God, I pray that you would um, you would do a work. You would cut where we need to be cut, Father. You would uh, you would move us where we need to be moved, Father. And I pray that through all of it, Father, as you uh, do the are the, the one leading, that you would uh, conform us to look more like Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Listen, as, uh, as you were reading through this, you're probably like me, and you, you, you noticed a lot of language. This, pa- this Bible uh, passage that we're in has a lot to do with sheep. And, uh, and you may not know this, but the, the Bible at large has a lot to do with sheep. Sheep are mentioned more than any other animal in the Bible. 400 times uh, sheep are mentioned, and not just sheep, but shepherds. Shepherds uh, are, are frequent throughout uh, the, the text. Now listen, this, the, the Bible was written to a society where this made sense, right? It was an agrarian society. It was a, large, a largely um, agricultural society, a largely, uh, 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 they were focused and centered on a lot of the life of, uh, of shepherding, and sheep were a common fixture in that day. Uh, a lot of the greatest leaders that we know in the Bible were sheep. I mean sheep, shepherds. We're all sheep, right? Uh, we're shepherds. Uh, David, Moses, uh, Abraham, all shepherds. Uh, and so it's no, it's, it, it's, no, um, it's no coincidence that the language appears a whole lot of times. And it's no coincidence, it's not a jab, that Jesus would choose to use the language and, and, and association uh, of his people, those who bear his image, with sheep. So those that you laugh, you're all sheep, okay? Uh, listen, we're all, we're all sheep. And, and listen, 
People in the day would have totally got this. It would have completely made sense why Jesus was talking about sheep and shepherds. Jesus was a master teacher. So what was, what was common? What was everyday? What was uh, kind of central in their lives? Jesus would use masterfully to, to weave in deeper truths. And so if he was like the, the Sermon on the Mount is full of this. As he's sitting on, uh, on the Mount of Olives and he's looking at, uh, at Jerusalem. He talks about a city on a hill. Uh, is it, like a, a light that's... It's not hidden. It's not placed under, uh, under a basket, right? It's, he's using things that are common, that are near, that are, that are right now to, to weave uh, in tr- deeper truths. And so this is what's happening with sheep and shepherd kind of conversation. Jesus is talking about something that is normal. Now, most of us today, we don't, well, about the closest thing we get to sheep are our Ugg boots, right? Or, uh, or the petting zoo at the fall fest. We're, we're not shepherds, many of us, right? Or any of us, probably. Uh, and so uh, what we need to lean into today as we look at this passage is what, what is Jesus trying to show us? Because the, the text is, the text will not change. The text is, uh, Jesus' word always speaks, it goes without void. And so there's something that Jesus is trying to show us through this relationship and through this conversation of sheep and shepherds. And so what are those things? Well, I'm not a shepherd as well. You may know that. Um, I, I'm a pastor, uh, and, uh, and I don't have any real sheep, uh, but I do have Google, and Google tells me a little bit about sheep. And really, I have common sense, too. If you uh, hang around sheep uh, very long, you'll, you'll quickly pick up on some things about them, such as they're dumb creatures, okay? Like sheep, uh, I'm really not sure uh, what God was doing when he made sheep. They're, um, they're clueless animals. Like they, they don't really have a sense of direction at all. They kind of get lost easily. Um, they like if one wanders off and jumps off a cliff, there's nothing within the, the minds of the rest of them to think it's not a good idea, and they will quickly follow suit. Uh, sheep don't. They have no. They're hopeless. They can't protect themselves. They don't have any like quills that they throw or ink that they spit or anything like that. Uh, they're they're just sheep. They're they're weird fur. Like well, uh, I guess you could call them fur. Um, cottony little creatures or what whatever you call them, kind of fluffy creatures. They, uh, you know, they're afraid of their shadows. Do you know that? And they really, they deal with anxiety. Sounds like a lot of us, right? This is not your bio I'm reading. Uh, There's a reason Jesus did this. Because out of all of the animals at Jesus's, at all of his his hand, and of all of his, uh, his mind, he chose to align us, despite what you think your spirit animal is, not a panther, not a lion, a sheep. You're all sheep. We are sheep. Uh, and, and so Jesus is not throwing a joke. God's not um, jabbing us. He's wanting to show us something about uh, our, ourselves, and namely that we all desperately need a shepherd. We are all in uh, dire need of leading, all in need of, of a shepherd, of his, of his correction, of his protection, of his, of his direction. And so, uh, and so in this series, Stuck, what we've been looking at is how our shepherd can free us up from some things, some things that typically get us stuck. Uh, things like shame. We looked at that in John chapter 8. We looked at the woman who was caught in adultery. And you remember that the Pharisees uh, came and they were trying to, they were trying to catch Jesus in, in something. They are trying to set him up. 
Um, but Jesus used that story of the woman caught in adultery to teach them a deeper truth that he had come to set them free from shame. For his, his believers, his sheep free from shame. The next thing in John chapter 9, if you remember last week, just to kind of jog some memories if you've not been with us, uh, R.C. preached a message in John 9 and, and he talked about the man who was, uh, who was his sight was, uh, was uh, restored, a blind man whose sight was restored. And you remember what happens in this passage. The, the blind man now with sight goes and, and the Pharisees approach him and say, uh, man, who, who is this one that, that healed you? Who is the one that restored your sight? And it isn't, he must be a sinner and, uh, because he, he healed on the Sabbath. And you remember what Jesus said, or what the man said of Jesus? He said, I don't know if, uh, if he's a sinner or not, but what I do know is that I was once blind, but now I see. And so we looked at that, that passage, and, and Jesus taught us that he, has, he had come for his sheep to be freed, set free to see, set free to see life as it truly is, set free from believing that we are the point, that we are the, the piece of centrality of, of our life, that our life is actually about something greater, something more uh, significant, something lasting, and it is Jesus. Our life exists to make Jesus Known. Our life exists to glorify God. And, uh, and so today, it's the same. It's a, it's a part of the same conversation. The context of this passage is within the same conversation with these Pharisees. You know, we added the chapter breaks and the verse numbers after the passage was penned. That came later. And so many times we can look at this and say, oh, this must be at a later time. But this, this whole thing, chapter 9 and chapter 10 all happen within the same conversation, the same kind of bout, within the same showdown with these Pharisees. And so Jesus, at the back end of last week, he's going back and forth with the Pharisees, and they say, listen, are, are we blind? Like, we're the elitists. We have the law. We had it memorized since we were 10. We know the Torah. We, we are the upright. We are the ones that, who are enlightened. You, Jesus, are blind. Are we blind? Scoffingly at him. And Jesus said, to, to, to the Pharisees, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. Uh, you would have guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. And so then Jesus, on the heels of that conversation, jumps into chapter 10. The, verse two, the first two verses I want us to kind of look at and see what is Jesus doing and how does that set up something that he's going to teach us with the rest of this text. And this is what he says in the first two verses. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So uh, let me say this to you. So Jesus, again, is talking to who? The Pharisees. He's talking to the Pharisees, and he says that he who enters the sheepfold by another door, not, not through the gate, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So in the time uh, uh, where this, this passage would have been written, to the audience this would have been written, um, Thieves and robbers uh, were, were something they would have understood in two different connotations, okay? So a thief was one who kind of broke in cunningly through a, a, maybe a side door or came in the back door. The, the, the idea is that they, they use cunning and craft and kind of uh, weasel their way in and they steal something from within. That's a thief. A robber in this, in this passage would have been understood as someone who aggressively, violently attacks in the open, maybe on the roadway. Robbers would attack a convoy, and they would take what they wanted. 
So the point Jesus is using in the very first verse, he says that the man who, who enters the sheepfold by, by another door, that climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And then he says in the next verse, but he who enters the door, enters through the door, is the shepherd of the sheep. He's self He's self-titling, self-labeling himself as the shepherd and using contrast to, to himself with the thieves and robbers to make this point is this, that there are things in our life, there are people in this passage, they were talking about the Pharisees and their teaching, their legalistic ideas, that they were stealing something that Jesus had come to give them. Namely, we'll find out in chapter 10, verse 10, is life. And not just life, but abundant life. And so he says to them, he says, you're stealing something that only I can provide. I came that they may have life and have it to the full. And so then Jesus will use the rest of this teaching to teach us some things about how he's come to do that. How he's come to set us free this morning from wandering. So that we could truly know abundant life. He's going to do that through using some language about the sheep and shepherd dynamic. And so... Uh, the th- a couple points I want to I kind of unpack as we do that. The first one's this. The shepherd knows the sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep. If you look at verse 3, it says the, the sheep hear his voice, talking about the shepherd. The, sh- the sheep hear his voice, Jesus says. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. A little, little later in verse 27, there's a, a really close parallel to this verse. In verse 27, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. What's the point that Jesus is trying to make? Well, uh, the audience would have understood this about shepherds, that in the day that um, this passage is written, shepherds would come in from being out all day with their, with their sheep. Uh, and when they would come back into town, there would be kind of a common uh, a pen or a common uh, hold that they would put all the sheep. And this would not just be for their sheep, but it would be for, for all the shepherds in the village. They would put all of their sheep in one big fold, uh, and, and there, would be a, uh, there would be a gate, there, an opening that would be, it'd be walled mostly, but there would be one opening that they would hire someone called a gatekeeper, a hired hand, uh, to stand watch over the flock by night. Okay, so it's not just one shepherd's flock in the pen. It's, it's all the shepherds that might happen to be in the city, all of their flock, all mixed in in one big pen. And what would happen in the morning is that the shepherd would come out. And there's actually accounts of this I read this week of people that were just floored as you uh, watch and you kind of follow um, a sh- the shepherd and, and kind of see how they act and their kind of uh, their rhythms of their life, things that they were just floored by the authors of some of these accounts that I was looking at. And they would say that the shepherd would come out by night and he would stand at the doorway of the pen and he would begin to call the names of only his sheep. And none of the others would would give him any kind of mind. None of the others would pay any attention to the shepherd. But one by one, as their names were called, those sheep would exit the door of the pen and follow the shepherd into the pasture, follow him on his way out. I was just amazed by that. That, that You'd think that as soon as one voice called out, they would all just kind of start corralling their way through that that little hole in in the wall. But no, only the ones whose voices were called came. And so what Jesus says, he says that the shepherd knows his sheep. They hear the voice of the shepherd and they respond and they follow him through the door. In this passage, Jesus gives us two of his, uh, of the I am statements of Christ. And one, he says, I am the door. A little later, he says, I am the good shepherd. Well, this first one saying, I am the door, Jesus 
in John 14 makes a point with this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So here's the point. Jesus is saying, he's teaching us, if we want to find life, if we want to be a people who stop wandering, the only way is through the door. And the door is Christ. The door is Jesus. I think many of us in life find ourselves wandering because we aimlessly go through life without purpose, without direction, looking for some, something to satisfy, something to bring meaning, something to bring purpose. Have you ever asked yourself to, on your way into work to just punch another shift at Nissan or, or at the office or in the, you know, maybe it's on the way to school on the bus or something, wondering, what am I living for? What's the purpose of all this? Is it just for the dollar? Is it just for, uh, you know, to make ends meet? Is that what life's really about? I think many of us ask that question because we believe that, because we struggle with that, because uh, we are prone to wander. You might be wandering this morning. You might be here this morning thinking that you're, you're simply here for a relationship. You're here because you want to keep a good attendance record, because you think that at the end of your days that Jesus will look on you and say, you were you occupied a seat many times. You were in the doors as often as they were open. Enter in to rest, and that will be a great mistake. What Jesus wants us to understand is that the only way to be set free from wandering is if you have heard the voice of the shepherd. If you have heard his voice, and not just heard his voice, but you've responded to his voice. When Jesus says his sheep hear his voice and respond, what he's talking about is salvation. So if we want to be set free from wandering, first thing you got to understand is that you have to be in relationship with the shepherd. You have to be saved. You have to have found life. It's this idea, this, this, uh, uh, this, uh, this picture that Jesus uses of the shepherd coming and the sheep know his voice and they follow him through the door. It's this idea of called the effectual call of salvation, which is where Jesus, at some point in your life, you are, you, and, and you need to understand, like anybody that has a, uh, an experience of Christ calling them, uh, you know that you weren't looking for him. Right? If you look at Acts, you look at uh, Paul's conversion story, it's a great picture of this. He's on his way, and he even said, as I was on my way, when he's telling his testimony later. He's on his way to do what? To kill other Christians, on his way, on the road to Damascus. And what happens? Jesus steps into the story of his life and changes it. And so there has to be a moment in your life where what happens for you is as you were on your way, Jesus opens your eyes to the reality of your hopelessness, of your wandering. You're in this pen kind of thinking that this is what life's about. I'm just going to one party to the next, one bottle to the next, one drug to the next, one experience to the next. And what happens is Jesus opens your eyes, helps you see that there is an opening, there is a door, and his name is Christ. And he calls you by name and you respond. This is what's happened if you're in Christ. You were not looking, but the shepherd approached the pen and he called you by name. And you came through the way, the truth, and into life. This is what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees. He says, you are not leading the sheep. You are not caring for the sheep. You are caring for yourself. But the good shepherd came that they may have Life. I love what Paul says in 2 Timothy. He says, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. It bears this seal, God's firm foundation, that the Lord knows who are his. He knows you. Do you understand that? You erased your browser history, but God knows. 
you, you think that being here is something or doing enough good things, you're kind of cleaning up your ledger of sin, but God knows your sin. Now listen, when he saved you, he didn't learn something about you. He knew it, and despite it, he still called you. That's what's called unconditional grace or unconditional salvation. Jesus calls us to himself despite us because it wasn't because of us. It was for his father's glory. So if you're in the room today, you find yourself wandering, you find yourself trying to figure out what life's about, let me ask you this question. Have you heard his voice? Have you responded to his call? And there are probably people in the room today that continue to chase the dollar, continue to, to move from one thing to the next, thinking that this thing is going to satisfy. This materialistic thing, this experience is going to satisfy. And then when you have it, what happens? It's fleeting. It's like one of those toys that's like uh, filled with like, I don't know, some kind of jelly that just slips out of your hands. You know, as soon as you get a grip on it, poof, it goes out of your hands. That's it's this idea of... What Jesus is saying here, he says, I came that they may have life. But there's, there's not many exits in the pen of life. There is one doorway. And it's through Jesus. And so if you want to be unstuck, if you want to find life, if you want to find purpose and stop wandering, well, it's through Jesus. It's the only way. The second thing is this. The sheep follow the shepherd. So the shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep follow the shepherd. Look what it says in verse 4 there. In verse 4, the passage says that when he has brought out all his own, after the shepherds called them all by name, he says he, he, he brought them all out. He says he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So the, the, the sheep follow the shepherd when the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Uh, listen, God speaks to us. He speaks to us today. He speaks to us every day. And some of us in the room probably say, yeah, God spoke to me this morning audibly. I would say you're a Kentucky fan, right? Uh, or Bama, one or the other. Um, sorry. Uh, but listen, we're really good at talking to God, but very few of us, very few of us in the, in, in the room or in the world, uh, very few Christians hear from God. And we're good at talking. We say, God, uh, help me get this raised. God, help me, uh, help, help ends meet. God, would you uh, let this lotto ticket hit? God, would you, whatever, right? We feel like we just, we get in the morning, we just come to God and we say, here, God, fix all my problems. And, and God desires that you would listen to his reply. Listen, he's speaking. But I think what happens is many of us are, are afraid or we, we know what he's going to say about something. And so we don't want to hear it. So we don't want to carve out time. We don't want to carve out time in the morning to spend five, ten minutes with, with the Lord before we get on the bus. We don't, want to, we don't want to spend time with the Lord at night before we go to bed or in the morning before we, we, get, uh, we get ourselves together to, to go to work. We don't want to get up. We don't want to sacrifice time to hear from God because I know that what God might say might hurt. What God might say to me might call me or, or, or uh, demand a change in, in my routine or a change in my schedule or a complete overhaul in my budget. And so because we don't want God's hand on it, because we don't want to hear the voice of the shepherd, we mute it. We mute the voice of the shepherd. We just, we give our cares to God, but we don't listen to God. And when we don't listen, listen to me, church, we wander. When you're not listening, you 
wander. When we turn from the voice of God, what we do is we amplify the voice of the world. There's no, like, uh, you can't just mute the voice of God and then cease all communication coming in. This is what happens. When you're not listening to God, you're always, something is, I say this to students all the time, something is always speaking into your life. There's always a voice. Which one's louder? Which one's louder? Are you hearing from the Lord? You see, when you stop listening to God, then the world starts telling you that your marriage is really about you. And it's not about self-sacrifice. It's not about dying to yourself. And so when your wife starts, stops uh, serving you or stops, uh, you know, you don't come home to hot meals or whatever fantasy you had in your mind, right? What do you do? You bail. That's what the world says. The world says that life is about experience. Life is about your name ending up in lights. And so when things are not uh, bowing down to you, whether that be your, your wife, your kids, or your job, or your church, you bail. Right? When you stop listening to, to, to the Lord, stop listening to his voice, we begin thinking that money is the product of our labor. And so what do we do with it? We, we, we sit on top of it. We do like, we duck, what is it, the Donald Duck thing? Or not Donald Duck, I forgot what it is. Scrooge McDuck, we just kind of, we just like sit on top of it. We jump into it and we just love it. And it's all about us, it serves us. And so there's no way we're going to turn it over to the Lord and be generous with it. There's no way. See, when you're not listening to the shepherd, you start listening to something else. And we can go on and on and on all day, but you get the point. We wander when we fail to listen. That's the, that's the concept. Listen, any of you guys like sheep uh, and like me um, have a terrible sense of direction. I'm, a, I'm alone. That's okay. Um, let me say this. Uh, so, so I am terrible with directions, especially for some reason in the Cool Springs area. When I'm over there, like, uh, I, I, I asked Tiffany, I'm like, oh, I just take a right right here. She's like, no, you're on the other side of the interstate. Okay, my bad. So I got a left, or you could say, hey, Matt, I need you to go down here and hang a left, and in the school's down here. You're going to meet some parents or kids or something, whatever. I'll end up in the next county over at, yeah, I, I don't know, at Walmart or something. Uh, I'm just terrible with directions. And so Man, I'm so, so thankful for my girl, Siri. Siri, she never lets me down. She's, she's so faithful to me. Uh, no matter where I am in the world, I've literally been in other countries. And uh, I remember going to Bangkok one time. And um, uh, I stayed a few extra days to, to kind of fill in preach while the students went back. And, uh, and, and I remember them saying, like, hey, um, you're, so I, I had my, the little hotel we were staying in. They kind of got me to the stop and say, well, you just get off here and you just make your way back to the boss mansion and you'll be okay. And so, man, I was completely lost. You, you can't ask anybody, you know, direction. You're just kind of picking up on things. And at night, everything looks the same in a massive uh, concrete jungle. And so, but man, Siri and GPS get you there every time, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been lost and hopeless without direction, without uh, any kind of, uh, you know, bearings, uh, and she's come through. Or GPS, whoever the voice is that you listen to on your way to work or whatever, they get you around wrecks that would otherwise have you stalled and late and, and in trouble with your boss. They, uh, they get you to the gas station uh, when you're on your last drop of, of, of uh, uh, it's probably water at this point, uh, last drop of gas in the bottom of your tank, and, uh, and you, you don't know where you're going, and, and sure enough, they come through every single time. How many of us have ever 
man, leaned on and benefited from our GPS. Anybody in the room? Okay, uh, five of us. Okay, no big deal. But it doesn't matter. Here's the point I want to tell you. It, it doesn't matter how quickly or how precisely or how efficiently or how many times they've come through in the clutch. If you mute the voice of the direction, it doesn't help you. Right? If you mute the voice of correction, you mute the voice of, uh, of your GPS, you are you're up a creek. Right? Without a paddle, you're, you're ruined. And this is what so many of us do, I think, in our lives. I think so often there is a voice that's always speaking, telling us where to turn, what to think about morality, what to think about our life, what to think about money, what to think about sexuality and sex and ethical issues in our day. But what we so often do is say, God, I'll wing it. And you know where that got you. You know where that gets us. Listen, the voice of the shepherd is speaking. Are you willing to listen? Are you listening? But what I love about this is it says that the shepherd, uh, the, the sheep follow the shepherd because the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And, and, and what, I, what I love when I was thinking about this verse this week is uh, Despite how hard his teaching might be, despite what he might put his hand on, despite what he might call us uh, to sacrifice or call us to rearrange. And, and listen, movement is difficult and it rubs and it's friction, right? Anything that changes is, is tough. And in a growing church, we feel those growing pains often. Change is difficult. Change might be difficult for some of you to go and be a part of the 5 p.m. It's going to be different for our student ministry as we begin to, to move into this new multiply plan. But listen, what I, what I know from this passage, it says, When he's brought out his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him because the sheep know his voice. Listen, despite how hard it might be, what I am confident in is that those who are truly his, those whom God has called by name, they will follow despite what it might cost. It's not conditional. It says that the sheep follow the shepherd. They she the sheep follow. And now it's going to be hard. It's not going to happen perfectly, but the sheep will follow. And so listen, if you're in the room today and you are a believer, yet you are living in constant rebellion, the, the text is clear that the sheep will follow. So are you a sheep? Are you part of his fold? And if you are, it's time to begin walking in step with the shepherd. It's time to begin walking in step with him. And also notice this passage says that the shepherd goes before the sheep. Listen, I think this is so important for us to consider today. Like this is leadership 101. You cannot lead someone further than you are willing to go and have been. I can't tell you how to get home if I've never been there, but I, I, I frequent my home, so I can easily take you there with the help of Siri, right? Like you, can't follow, you can't follow someone who's never, who doesn't know where they're going. But thank God that we serve a, a Jesus who Hebrews says is our great high priest who's able to sympathize with us in every way. He says uh, in Hebrews, it says that he was tempted in every way that we were yet without sin. And thank God that when you say, listen, this is hard, or, or man, you just don't understand. No, Jesus understands. He completely understands. And you know what else he did? He has come that you wouldn't be stuck in that sin, but you would be set free from it if you would just turn to him, listen to his guidance, and be willing to do the things he calls you to. So the uh, next point kind of leads me to is that the shepherd protects his sheep. The shepherd protects his sheep. 
Listen, the shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep will follow the shepherd because the sheep know that where God is leading us is for our protection, is for our good. We know that, uh, like Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He, it says it right before that, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Listen, we know, it, we, we lean into what the shepherd wants for us. We lean into his word. We lean into his correction because what we know is that it is for our good. It's for our good. He's not leading you somewhere he's not been. And here's what you need to understand. It's what Brad said earlier. He said, if he takes you through, it's not always going to be green pastures. Right? It's not all, you're saying, man, Matt, like I'm going through a divorce right now or, or I'm in the middle. I just lost a loved one. I said goodbye to my parents or, or maybe it's a kid that you've recently lost in your family. You said, it doesn't feel like green pastures right now. But listen to me. Here's the good news. It says, he's going to be with me in the valley of the shadow of death. Listen, the shepherd leads. And, and listen, here's the thing. Uh, the sheep are protected as long as they're near the shepherd. You're protected. You benefit from the, from the guidance of the shepherd when you're near to him. So despite what it might mean for you, despite what it might be costing you, despite how hard it might be for you to follow him, lean into it. Because there is a benefit for you in being near the shepherd. Verse 10. This is the, 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 the vision statement verse of our church. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundantly. He said that there is a threat, church. Listen to me. There is a threat in this world. There is an enemy who wants to steal something from you. It may not come in the form of a Pharisee. It may come in the form of habitual sin. It may come in the form of some temptation that seems like it's going to make a whole lot of sense and feels so good in the moment. But it wants to steal. It wants to rob. It wants to cunningly craft its way into you, into your family, into your marriage, and take something which Jesus wants to give you. And so often we wander because we, we're not listening. We're not close to the shepherd. And Jesus says on the hills of saying, I came that they may have life. He says, I am that good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And look what it says here. And the good shepherd lays down its life for the sheep. Lays down its life for the sheep. The leadership of Christ in the lives of the church, of his sheep, of believers is for your good and God's glory, but I want make sure you don't blow over this. It's, it is for your good. It is for your good. It is not only about direction, but it is about protection. Jesus wants to keep you from a lot of harm. If you just listen, if we, I'm talking to myself too, if I would just listen at times, he wants to help me, man, bypass a lot of hurt, a lot of harm. When the sheep is near, it's protected. But when it wanders off, it's lamb chops, right? It's lamb chops. It's, it's on the menu. Jesus said that the good shepherd cares for the sheep, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's not about limiting you. It's about liberating you, freeing you up, setting you free from wandering. Listen, this is why, uh, this is why the sheep need the flock, right? Sheep are better together. We, they just are. It, it is actually scientific fact that their, uh, their heart rate calms and, and their anxiety chills out when they're near the flock. Man, is this not like God just, there's something to this, right? Like, we are not meant to do life alone. We're not. 
You're meant to be known and to belong to the flock. Sheep need the flock. We need the flock. And, and I love this. You may not know this. Uh, but a large flock is called a mob. I think it's so cool to call the church a mob. Right? <laughs> Listen, we're, we're full of gangsters and everything else in here. Uh, it would seem fitting. Right? right? Listen, a, a mob. We need this mob. Are you a part of this? Are you a part of this? Are you known? Are you, uh, are you sharing in vulnerabilities and in conversations and in stirring up one another's affections for Christ? Are you sharpening one another as iron sharpens iron in community? Are you a part of the flock? When you're a part of the flock, you're protected because you're near the shepherd. Right? And so there's this, this, there's this relationship with the flock and the shepherd that it is for your good. It's not only for your leading, but it is for your protecting. Any parent in the room will identify with this, right? When, uh, when, 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 it, when Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep, we would all, every one of us, understand and identify with this when it comes to our own kids, right? Like, I don't, I don't, do, uh, I don't do spiders, and I don't do snakes, all right, like that's just my thing. I don't, I don't do it. Uh, I love you all, but, uh, but I'm telling you, if, if a snake comes come down the middle of this aisle, I'm, I'm hitting stage left. All right, like I'm out of here, okay? But listen, when it comes to my little girl, I will go crocodile dundee so quick. I promise you. Listen, this happened. This happened at CLC a couple, uh, couple weeks back, and they gave me a gift card for it. I can show it to you later uh, if you don't believe me. There was a, we're, we're sitting in a staff meeting, and uh, our CLC, our, our director over there, his name's Becca Wilson. She comes busting in. She's like out of breath. She's like, you come quick. I'm like, what in the, an intruder just busted in this thing. There's like, is a gunman loose in the church? There's something, I'm thinking the worst. Like there's a, a nader on the ground or something. I don't know what's going on, right? But so we just, I, I bust out the thing. I don't even know where I'm going. I run into the fellowship hall following her and there's a snake on the ground. And my, my little daughter is looking at it. She's going, yuck. Yuck. She's looking at it. All the, all the babies are pinned up against the ground. And, 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 and also our next-gen director and the other student staff, they're pinned up against the wall with them. And I just leap to it. I'm just like, bang. Now, let me just tell you, it was about that big, okay? Like, so no one was going to lose a limb. It wasn't going to, like, constrict or anything going on like that. But I, I just I snatched this thing by the head because I was thinking somehow, some way, it was going to get over and try to, like, latch onto my daughter's leg. And it was, I don't know what was going to happen. But in my mind, it was like, there's harm, rid it, right? And listen, this is, this is true of the shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. Now, why would I do that? I don't like snakes. I got no joy from that. I promise you, I apply like a half a tube of uh, hand sanitizer after that as well. Like, I, I don't do snakes. My, my wife can tell you, I hate moth, uh, moths too. Okay? I don't, I don't like them. They're just weird, dusty creatures. But, listen. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, like, spilling all this. Uh, my, my, my truck's going to be full of moths one day. Uh, Daryl will go and find them. Uh, but anyway, why would I do that? Because I love my daughter. Right? I don't want harm for her. Every parent would identify with that. And listen, there's also a cool little shepherd fact for you to know. If they were away overnight on, a, on like a, a journey, what would happen uh, when they're away, a shepherd would, would have to pin his flock in at night so that he would either stack some stones up or find a, put them in a cave, and he would lay down in the mouth of the cave so that no sheep got out and nothing got to them unless it went through them. 
And listen, church, I want you to understand, this is a picture exactly of what Jesus did for his, for his bride. He literally laid his life down on the cross so that we might have life. And if you are in the room today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you've never heard the voice of the shepherd, if he's calling you today, he laid down for you. He laid down so that you might have life. And not just have life, not just, not just step into being secure, but that you would, you would move from the pen and into pastor, that there is something greater for you. There is something more for you. There is more than what you keep running to, that what you're stuck in, what you're just wandering in. Maybe you're in the room and you're wandering around in a relationship with a girlfriend or a boyfriend who's not a believer because you've been listening to the voice of culture more than, than your father and, and more than the shepherd that says to you, the, the culture says you can fix him, you can make him right. You can help him love Jesus or you can fix her. You can make her love Jesus. And, and listen, you're wandering and you need to begin listening to God. Maybe you're in here and you, you're just wandering from one item to the next. It's buying and buying and buying. Or you're moving. Maybe you're wandering up a corporate ladder thinking that that is what's going to satisfy you. Listen, what Jesus wants us to understand is that he came. He came that you may have life. And those things that we're turning to, that we're wandering within, they are actually thieves and robbers that are trying to steal what only Jesus can provide. Maybe today Jesus is calling your name. Would you turn from wandering and step into the freedom of knowing the shepherd? Step into the freedom of his leadership, of following him. Listen, I want to end this tonight, this morning, sorry, it feels like a night. I want to end this morning with a, uh, with a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Um, Spurgeon, you may know, is just a, a beast, uh, theological mind, Christian leader, uh, pastor, uh, had an awesome, awesome, I mean, there's just incredible resources out there you can read. He just makes you want to just melt when you, when you listen to what he thought about Jesus. It makes you feel like you don't even know the shepherd at all. Uh, but he wrote uh, some thoughts about Psalm 23. And so what I want to do right now is as, as, uh, as we kind of begin to move towards a response time, um, I, I want you just, these, aren't gonna be, these words aren't going to be on the screen. I just want you to listen to what he says about Psalm 23, which Brad read at the beginning of the service about uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Listen to what he says to this. He says, Our good shepherd has in his flock a variety of experiences. Some are strong in the Lord and others are weak in faith. But he is impartial in his care for all his sheep. And the weakest lamb is as dear to him as the most advanced of the flock. Lambs are wont to lag behind, prone to wander, and apt to grow weary. But from all the danger of these infirmities, the shepherd protects them with his arm of power. He finds newborn souls like young lambs ready to perish, and he nourishes them till life becomes vigorous. He finds weak minds ready to faint and die, and he consoles them and renews them in their strength. All the little ones, it says he gathers. For it is not the will of the heavenly father that one should perish he should leave the 99 and go after the one. 
What a quick eye he must have to have seen them all with a tender heart to care for them all. What a far-reaching and potent arm to gather them all. This is you, church. In the lifetime, in his lifetime on earth, he was a great gatherer of the weaker sort. And now that he dwells in heaven, his loving heart yearns toward the meek and contrite, the timid and uh, feeble, the fearful and fainting here below. How gently... Did he gather me to himself, to his truth, to his blood, to his love, and listen to his church? With what effectual grace did he compel me to come to himself? Since my conversion, how frequently has he restored me from my wanderings and once again folded me within the circle of his everlasting arm? I would fain make his name great until the ends of the earth. But what can my feeble, feebleness do for him? And this is what he says. I think this is the application of this morning. He says, great shepherd, add to thy mercies this one other, that you would give me a heart to love thee more truly as I ought to. Great shepherd, give me a heart to love thee more truly as I should. Listen, church, if, if you've been walking with Jesus, I pray that you would love Jesus more. More as you should, more as I should, and that we, because we love him, we want to know him. We want to hear his voice, so we want to spend time with him. That this would not just be something we do when other things fall through on our Sundays, but we want to gather because we love our shepherd. Parents, I pray that if you're in the room, you would continue leading your kids because it is for their protection, it is for their good. You would begin praying over your family, leading through family worship imperfectly. I know what that feels like. But you would do it because it is for their good. And if you're in the room today and you've never, you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus, I pray today you would hear his voice calling you. I pray that right now God might be calling you by name as he did Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. You would step out of the pen and into pastor because you love and know the shepherd. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. God, I pray for this church. God, I pray that you would continue to do what you've been doing, something that we don't deserve. God, I pray that you would continue to, uh, continue to multiply us, God. Continue to grow us, continue to help us to know you and love you and depend upon you more. Help us to see ourselves as sheep prone to wander without sense of direction, better together, in great need of you, Father. We love you. We thank you. God, I pray that you would call some to life today out of the pen and into relationship with you. And so your name we pray. Amen.